Isn't that sad? Why? Because most people think, I had an elderly gentleman tell me a while back, that he thinks in heaven that he is going to rebuild a 1957 Ford truck. And that's what he's going to be doing, rubbing on that old Ford truck and fixing it up nice. Parts will be free, and he'll just be just having a good old time praising the Lord, sanding away on that old Ford pickup truck. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to break your heart. But in heaven, listen, people, in heaven, even that old man will love Jesus more than he loved that old Ford pickup truck. And in heaven... No sin will be holding us back from worshiping the Lord. Like this morning, if you didn't worship the Lord, um, something was holding you back. And that was a sin in your life that was keeping you from worshiping Jesus Christ. In heaven, there ain't going to be no holding back stuff. We're going to be praising praising the Lord and what I want more than anything in the world for a couple of us to get some practices in this side of heaven amen um, that we can just be praising the Lord today in all that he's done for us if you would turn with me in Genesis chapter 25 as we slowly go through the book of Genesis I hope we don't take as long as Tim has taken with Matthew on Sunday night with a youth group um, but uh, we're just going through we're not going to get Hever's story um, we're, we're going to go through just the main stories of the book of Genesis. And today we're going to see a family that reminds me of my family. Um, I have a new friend that I've made over the last few months. Um, and I'm a new fan of his. And he's not a good person, and none of us are. But his name is Jelly Roll. I love you guys because I said that at 8.30 service and two people knew who he was. Um, why I like Jelly Roll is if Jelly Roll came to my family reunion, you wouldn't notice him. He'd look like one of us. I thought he was my cousin the first time I saw him. I said, what's he doing up there? You know what I'm saying? I had no clue that it was, his name was Jelly Roll and he was somebody else. Um, but all of us have family, and we are a family. Our church, we don't belong to just, we don't just come to church. We, we come and, and worship with our family together in the Lord. We are family, and that's who we are. But you also have a family, a blood family that you have in your life, and, and you get along with some of them, and you don't get along with some of them, but it really don't matter. It doesn't change the fact that they're still your family. If you love your brother or if you don't love your brother, he's still your brother. One of my favorite things that, that I've always said my whole life, and I really didn't know where it came from until a while back, was uh, there was a priest uh, that was reading through uh, a magazine one day, and he saw uh, a picture of a, a, man, uh, a man carrying another person on his back. And the interview asked the person, is he heavy? And the man replied back, he is not heavy, he's my brother. And that even actually turned into a song, he's not heavy, he's my brother. And what happens is this, is that we do not pick our brothers, but we have our brothers. And they are not heavy. <laughs> they're our brothers and yes we are 
our brother's keeper. We've noticed that in Scripture in Genesis so far in a life. So what I'm showing you is this. A family is not perfection. A family is connection. There is no way that you're going to expect perfection from the family here in our church. Because if you expect perfection from this preacher, <laughs> I feel really bad for you. It just ain't happening. I'll blow your mind grammatically. I'll blow your mind in many different ways. In the next five minutes, you just hang in there just for a few seconds. Um, I am not perfect, nor do I ever claim to be perfect. We're mistakes. We make mistakes. We, we're, we, we struggle, all of us together. But what we are are not perfect, but we are connected as a family. And what connects me and you as a family is the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are united in, in Christ. But today what we're going to look at is that the dysfunctional families are plentiful. And who can say amen to that? All of us, right? Um, because that's what happens. Our homes do not operate exactly the way they're supposed to operate at all times. Man, we got mistakes here and there and difficulties here and there. But I want to share something with you before we get started in, in the sermon is this. Our homes are where we get discipled. Discipleship begins in the home. And I just think as a family, me and you need to grab a hold of that today. Um, I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for our Sunday school. I'm thankful for our youth group. I'm thankful for all of the things that we do. In our church, you have an opportunity to be discipled every single day of the week. And you have an opportunity to serve the Lord every day of the week. And I'm thankful for that. But we as a church are not where discipleship begins in your family. Discipleship begins in the home. And that's what happens, and that's what, where we learn today. Our home is where we learn to love the Lord. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5, 6, and 7, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And listen to verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Discipleship, learning about who God is and who we are to love and who we are to serve, starts in the home. Amen. And not only do we teach our children who to love the Lord, our home is where we learn to serve the Lord. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, we usually only concentrate on the last part of verse 15, but the first part is very important as well. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, let me share something and stop right there. To the majority of people today, it is evil to serve the Lord. This world today calls good evil and evil good. If you do not believe it, you live in a bubble and bless your little heart. But it's the truth, and that's what happens around us. And it seems evil to you and to serve the Lord. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in the, whose land you dwell. But listen to what Joshua says. But as for me, 
and my house, we will serve the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that starts in the home. That starts in the living room at your house right there. Our home is where we learn the gospel, where we learn about Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But for majority of homes today, that is not so. And for every one of us, we come from a home that was not perfect. And today, what we get to do in Genesis chapter 25 is to look into an imperfect home that was used to bring glory to a perfect God. Now, aren't you thankful that's a, perf that's a possibility today? That your dysfunctional home, your imperfect house, can bring glory to a perfect God. And we're going to see today in this life, and we're going to start back with Grandma and Grandpa. Um, we always, in Louisa, Kentucky, in West, Fort Gay, West Virginia, we give props to Grandpa and Grandma and Grandpa. Every one of us had a perfect Grandma and Grandpa, didn't we? We did. But you know what? We, I'll just be honest with you. I love my mama and papa. They were great people, and, they were, and I'd put them beside absolutely anybody. But they were mean as snakes sometimes. You know what I'm saying? My mamma told me I ate too many Little Debbie snacks. <laughs> you know, that's not good right there. You know what I'm saying? And one time I heard my mamma say the S word. <laughs> and it was because of me. <laughs> you know, they were, they were good people, but they were not what? They were not perfect in, in no way. So we're going to start with Grandma and Grandpa, Abraham and, and Sarah. In Genesis chapter 25, in verse 19 and um, 20 and 21. Genesis chapter um, 25, i got to find it here. You find yours and I find mine. And in, in verse 19, it says, This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was, was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife the daughter of Bethuel the Syrian, of Pedon Aram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So at the beginning, I want to remind you of Grandma and Grandpa, Abraham and Sarah. And if you can remember over the last couple weeks, if you were with us, if not, you can look back and see that in the scripture there yourself in Genesis chapter 22. Um, they had some problems. They lied. They lied to the Pharaoh of Egypt about who they were. And Abraham told Sarah to tell him, You're my wife, you're my sister instead of my wife. And man, did that mess everything up. Um, they, God told them that they were going to have a child at the old age, and they both did what? They laughed. So they lied, they laughed. And they, they could not have a child on their own, and they, they were waiting, and they got tired of waiting. So they tried to take it, the matter into their own hands. Anyone ever try to do that? You got tired of waiting in God, so you know what? If God can't do it, I can figure this out. So they found Hagar. And if, even though Hagar sounds like a man, it's not, it's a woman. If you're out there looking for a girl's name, I'm not going to promote Hagar. That just sounds strange. It really does. It's like Homer and Gomer and all them, you know, weird, weird. But they tried to handle the things, and Hagar um, had a child with Abraham, and his name was Ishmael. 
And if you watch TV today, um, that's the struggles we're having right now between Ishmael and, and, um, and Isaac. And we see that all in the clear in scriptures. But not only did they try to do it themselves, they accused the Lord of not having compassion when he destroyed, when he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So let me share something with you. Abraham and Sarah had their difficulties. But yet, listen, they believed God. They trusted in God. And that's what made a difference in their life. And they did. The Bible says here, Abraham begot Isaac. Even though that is just a small little part of the sentence, but it's important how long that took and everything that happened, they finally have a son, Isaac. And Isaac now will be the one who passes down the blessings um, of the Lord from Abraham to Isaac and then will continue on going down. Isaac, what I love about Isaac is how he obeyed his father in a very difficult time. When he, last week when we talked about Mount Moriah, when uh, God told uh, um, Abraham to take his son up on top of the hill and, and, and sacrifice him, his only son, and Abraham got on, got on the next day, woke up early in the morning, got his donkey together and everybody, and he went up just as we preached last week. On the way up the hill, Abraham, Isaac looks at Abraham and says this, we have wood and we have fire, but where's our sacrifice? Where's the animal? And Isaac had been discipled by Abraham and he had been on this many of these times of the worship services and he knew how it worked he knew that they needed wood he knew that they needed fire and he ne knew that they needed a lamb or, or to provide to be in the offering so he knew that there was something missing and this is what abraham said as we talked about last week god will provide what that reminds us of is that Jake, Isaac was ready and did obey his father, his earthly father. Um, at that time, Isaac could have been anywhere between 10 and 18 years old. And then um, and I, Abraham would have been over 100. Let me tell you, there's not a 10, or 18 year old, 10 to 18-year-old boy that couldn't un, outrun a 100-year-old man. He could have took it off that hill real quick in a hurry. But he obeyed. We don't know exactly how it worked. We don't have any other information, but he obeyed his earthly father. He believed and he trusted his earthly father. But what that reminds us of is, is simply this, is that Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he gave his life for me and you, listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 26 and, and verse 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Isaac shows us that he is trusting his earthly father. And then Jesus is showing us that he's trusting the Father. And what he did was this, the will of the Father. And he became the sacrifice for our sins. He paid the price that we could not pay. What a beautiful picture we have there. But Isaac will be the one that passes down the blessing from the Lord, from Abraham. And what we see is that all of the Isaac, that all that he was involved in, 
and him and Rebecca, it's the same thing with being barren and such as that, they still struggled with believing in the Lord. And you today maybe might be an older believer, and you have been saved for a number of years at this point. And you get aggravated at yourself sometimes that you're still struggling in trusting in the Lord. Don't. Because that is what's going to happen is we're always going to have that constant battle in us that we're going to have to win each and every day. But the most beautiful thing is, is that we've won that battle in Christ already. But what we have to do is not try on our own, but trust in the Lord. So no matter where you're at, if you're a young believer or a middle-aged believer or an old believer, you know what you're going to have to do today? Trust in the Lord. You're going to have to allow him to, un allow him to take care of this situation. But listen, what happened with Isaac and Rebekah is they both set aside the will of God to do what they wanted to do. My life has seen that a multiple times, that I set aside the will of God to do what I wanted to do. And you know what happened each and every time? It turned into a mess. Because the will of God is what I was created to do and you were created to do. So let's see this story today as that we saw grandma and grandpa. So now let's look at Isaac and, and Rebecca in verses 22 through 26. She's pregnant. This is where we're at, if you forgot already. All right. She's pregnant. And listen to what she says in verse 22. But the children struggled together within her and said, If all is well, why am I like this? I've never had twins. I just may look like I've had twins, but I've never had. Um, and if you've been here and you've had twins, my niece is having twins right now. And she's about ready to, in March to be able to give birth to these twins. But they can, they're, if you just have one baby in there, I can only imagine if you've got two, it's double the pleasure, right? Double the trouble, right? Um, double the, the what's going on in, in the sense of, of what is happening. And she's never been pregnant before, but the question is, if I'm okay, why am I feeling this way? What's going on in, in my life? And she goes to the Lord and asks and prays and asks God to tell her what's happening. And listen to what the Lord says. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the, the younger. Um, so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And it came, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. That'd be scary, let me tell you right there. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob, grabbing onto the heel of the other. And Isaac loved Esau because he, hate, uh, he ate of his game. Well, I went the wrong way, didn't I? Afterwards, his brother came out, and his hand took off Esau, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when he, she bore him. So we see... Now we get down to Isaac and, and Rebekah. 
when God speaks, it's not for any other reason other than he wants you to pay attention. A lot of us speak empty words that really don't need to be written down. A lot of us speak sometimes and just don't make really good sense whatsoever, and you can just look over it. But when God speaks, we need to listen to what he has to say. And Isaac and and Rebekah were not perfect, but they could at least hear what God was going to say. And in verse 23, hear what he had to say. It was as clear as it possibly could be. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Let me share something with you. That's pretty clear. I don't care who you are. Uh, that's, that's pretty evidently clear what's going on right now. They're not perfect, but at least they could do is hear what God is having them to hear that day. This was the very first sonogram that ever existed. Why? You know, no one ever knew <laughs> what they were having. I mean, even when I was born, nobody knew what they were having. You know what I'm saying? Only now they can figure. But not only was the first sonogram, this was the very first gender reveal party. The very first one. Um, is there going to be boys? Two boys. And, and that's what one's going to be red and hairy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Get excited about that. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's what it's going to look like, right? And um, they're going to come out, and, and this, the, one, the, the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. God was speaking, but the question was, was Isaac and Rebekah listening? The question is today is not if God is speaking. We know God is speaking. The question is, is Chuck and you listening? People say, well, I'd love to hear from God out loud one day. Well, open up your Bible. And read it out loud. Woohoo! You got it. And you're hearing right there. He's speaking at that, at that moment in your life, at that, at that exact moment. So we see that Abraham and Isaac had the opportunity, but yet they struggled because of their belief. Isaac and Rebekah had opportunity, but yet they struggled in their belief. And even Jacob and Esau, they're going to struggle in their belief. And let me show you in verses 27 and 28. It said, So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So we've, we have an outdoorsman, and we have a homebody. Pretty much what we have right there. Isaac loved Esau, and I love the reason he loved Esau, because he loved his the deer. We're on this is opening season. This this right now, and a lot of our guys are going to go out deer hunting. You know that's why um, Isaac liked Esau, loved Esau because he loved deer meat. He loved the savory meat in that. And then also we see that that Rebecca loved Jacob. Why? Because he was a homebody. He stayed home with her and cooked and, and did all of those things. Listen, when you start picking which child you love over the other child, it never, ever ends well. God gave you your children, and you know what? 
He gave every one of them to you as a blessing that's from him. And you know what? You should love absolutely every one of them children. And you do. And, and, and that's what it is. One may get on your nerves. <laughs> See? But you still love them. Amen? And, uh, and that's what happens. But um, we see that what kind of discipleship was Jacob and Esau receiving at home when we see that Jacob is not doing, that Isaac is not doing what God asked him to do and, and Rebekah is going along right with it. You see, they had an opportunity to raise their kids up and they were not doing the job that they were supposed to be doing. And they were loving one kid more than they loved another kid. Do you think a kid can spot that? Real quick and in a hurry. Esau was all about the here and now. Jacob, he was looking out for himself. He was an entrepreneur. Um, Esau, he didn't care about the past. He didn't care about anything. But then you see Isaac, he was ready to make a profit from a, his brother. He was not his brother's keeper. And then later on in scriptures, you're going to see that Jacob was a deceiver as he took part of the plan, took part in the plan to trick his own dad to receive the birthright. But Esau... Even though he was the firstborn, he didn't care. He didn't care about spiritual things. He didn't care about all that stuff. He didn't care about the past. He didn't care about the future. The only thing he cared about was right now. And he says this, If I die of starvation, what good is a birthright to me? You know what? Immediate satisfaction was the utmost importance to Esau. The problem with this family and our family is simply we think we are in charge and everything hinges on the decisions that we make. People tell me all the time, this is my life, it's my decision. You know what the problem was? Abraham and Sarah struggled even though they realized that God was there to direct their path, they still thought that they could make some decisions and help God. Isaac and Rebekah, even though they knew God, they still thought that they had to make some decisions on how they wanted it to work. But how in the world would God allow Isaac to decide on who was going to be the blessing, take the Abrahamic blessing from God? from Abraham through him. It wasn't his decision. It was God's decision. It's not our decision. While we were created, God created us for a purpose. And, and we have to understand. And we get in a situation, we say, well, this is my life. It's my, my decision. Then we forget what Abraham said, Lord, here I am. I, 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 I'm here not to do my will, but thy will. Who said that? Jesus you know what we want we want it done our way and most people today are struggling and are dysfunctional in their families because we want to make the decisions we want it to go the way we want it to go and that's the way we want it to go 
But what we need to understand is God gave me this family. He blessed me with all that I have, even with the breath that I have. And what I want to do is serve the Lord with all that I am. And when he wants me to go someplace, that's where I want to go. When he wants me to do someplace, that's where I want to do. That's who I am. It's not my life. It's his life. You know why it's his life? He created me. If it was not for God, how many of you all would be here today? None of us. And not one of us would be here today if it was not for God. But not only did he create us, and we were not there at the moment of creation, but listen, he bought us back a second time. He redeemed us by the blood, his blood, that he gave his life on the cross so that we would not perish but have everlasting life. Not only did he create us, but he bought us back a second time. You know what? It's not my life. It's his life. And without him, I have absolutely nothing. Without him, I cannot do anything. But with him, I have victory in Jesus Christ. And that's what we know of today. But the birthright um, was the blessing from Abraham. And real quick, i got to fast forward here. God had promised Abraham he would be a blessing to all nations. How in the world could Abraham be a blessing to all nations? The answer to that how is simply this, Jesus. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. All the people will be blessed through you, Abraham. The blessing of Abraham finds its ultimate fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of the, this world, Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham. So what happens is this. God already had already said the younger son would receive the birthright, that the older son would be un, weaker than the younger son, that the younger son would, would, the older son would serve the younger son. God had already made that clear. According to God, the birthright already belonged to Jacob. And let me go ahead and stop right there and let me share this with you. Why did God choose Jacob over Esau? No clue. But I know people who have wasted their whole entire life trying to figure it out. You know what? I have no idea why God chose me to be a pastor of First Baptist Church of Louisa, Kentucky. I have no idea why Jesus Christ saved me from my sins. But what I am is thankful. What I am is I thank God for that. I can't understand why he chose Jacob. And I, you know what? I trust God. And, and I know one day he'll be able to explain it to us and, and we'll be able to understand it. But until then, we're just going to trust the Lord in that. The birthright belonged to Jacob. The blessing went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah and all the way to Jesus, then down to me and you. I'm so thankful that we got that blessing. Amen. That it came all the way to us. Isaac wanted to bless the wrong son for the wrong reason. Listen, it was not up to Isaac. It's always up to God. I am so thankful it's not up to me. It's up to God. And I'm so thankful it's not up to you, but it's up to God. Isaac wanted to bless 
um, Esau for the wrong reason, and we see it in Genesis chapter 27, and you wouldn't believe me if I told you the reason. Deer meat. Jerky, deer jerky. I love deer jerky, if some of you all have any. It's low carb, and I'm able to eat that, you know, enjoy that. But I am not going to give you a birthright just because of deer jerky. Ribeye steak will talk. No, I'm joking, no. Um, but venison is repeated in a few times in Genesis 27. Why? His eyes, Isaac's, were on his, the, his stomach instead of God. Does that remind you of a verse? In Philippians chapter 3, in, in verse 19, it tells us as clear as a bell. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is what? Their belly. And whose glory is in the shame, who set their mind on the earthly things. His eyes were on his stomach and not God. Isaac serves as a warning to me and you dads. And he gives us a few warnings to dads out there today, and it's not even Father's Day. Number one, dad, some dads care not for the things of God. Some dads care not for the things of God. I've had dads come to me and they say this, you know what, I'm not the spiritual part of my family. I leave that up to my wife, and, and I let her handle that situation and how that works. But I'm just not spiritual. And I answer this question this way. Then what you need to do is this. Fall down upon your knees. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. He will save you from your sins. And what he will do is this. You will be born again and you will no longer be that dad that does not care about spiritual things but you will be a spiritual person a born-again believer who cares about spiritual things what dads need to be first is to be saved is to be the spiritual leader of their house to do that which God's called them to do the second thing is this some dads out there have their own plan for their children and I don't want to step on nobody's toes. But it, I doubt very seriously that any of your kids are going to be in the NFL. I thought I was. But then I got in the second grade. <laughs> and discovered that that was not going to happen. You know, we have huge plans for our kids and we try to push our kids towards those plans. But listen, the plan that we need to push our kids toward more than anything in this world is knowing Jesus. And not only knowing Jesus, but loving Jesus and serving Jesus. The victory is when your kid belongs to the Lord. And that's the prayer that we should have, dads. But only that, but the third thing Isaac teaches us is this. Most dads are controlled by what they like. They like deer meat, so they do anything in the world in their life to get deer meat. Heard a story the other day that broke my heart. A little girl, a little lady was, a young, young lady was sharing this story. 
And she said, um, when my dad would come home from work, he would look at me and say, hey, and then go on. And he'd sit down on the couch, and the little Dotson dog would jump up in his lap. And that, dog, that dad would go, oh, cootie, cootie, cootie. What's the boy been doing all day? Did you chase any squirrels? Did you chase any squirrels? And just rub on that dog and rub on that dog. And the little girl said this. Should I start chasing squirrels? What she wanted more than anything in the world was to be loved by her dad like he loved that dog. Guys, our kids know what we care about. And what we need to do is understand that we love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind, and we love our wife and our kids just like that. They are controlled by what they like. Don't let something get in the way of you loving your kids. Don't let something get in the way of you serving the Lord the way you take care of your kids. But Rebecca was not so much different than than Isaac, she wanted the right thing for the wrong reason. She's a scheming mom. I've met Rebecca. I was youth league football president for a couple years. Rebecca had a kid on the football team. And she would lie, cheat, and steal so her boy could be the quarterback of that football team. She would manipulate and she'd fight. I was scared to death, Rebecca. I think they call her Karen now. Um, I don't know why they changed her name, but that's what happened. But she would scheme and do absolutely anything to get what she wanted. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Mom, if you're out there scheming, you're doing just what the devil does. You're doing just what the devil does. By scheming, she prepared the meal to trick her own husband. By scheming, Rebecca loses the one thing that she wanted to keep, her son. By scheming, she would never ever see Jacob again. Listen, what should have happened there should happen in my life and your life is that we should communicate. Rebecca should have sat down, talked to Isaac and said, do you remember when I was pregnant with those twins? And they was bothering me and they was fighting among me. I could literally feel them wrestling in my stomach. Yeah, I remember that. I felt that. Do you remember what God told me? Yeah, I remember that. He, he said that I had two nations in my belly struggling. I had two peoples in my stomach fighting. And the younger would be stronger than the older, and the older would serve the younger. We don't understand it. But for some reason, God wants this blessing to go to Jacob, not Esau. We don't know why, but why don't we just trust the Lord? He gave us this, these babies. Why can't we just trust the Lord together? That would have been a spiritual way of handling that situation. 
But me and you, Jacob and Isaac and Rebecca and Sarah, I got that backwards. But we got confused so many times because we want our way instead of God getting the way, his plan. But she would never see Jacob again, and Esau was never a part of her life. She lost her boys. Jacob wanted the right thing, but he could not trust God to bring it to pass. He wanted the blessing, the birthright to come through him. But he could not trust God enough to let him handle that situation. Today, me and you cannot manipulate God's holy will. There's nothing you can do to change God's will, God's will for your life today. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he loves you right now. God loves you, and he has a will for you. The blessing was already his, but he was trying to get the blessing that he already had when he should have been trusting in the Lord for the victory. Believer, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you've believed upon him and he saved you from your sins, the victory's already won. Christ has already won that victory. And the only thing we have to do is trust in Jesus Christ. We don't have to fight it. He fights the battles for us. What we have to do is to lean on our, not on our own understandings, but put our trust in the Lord. God has already given us victory. What Jacob could have done was said, you know what? Your will be done. But what Jacob did was he fought and fought and kicked and lied, deceived, trying to get what he wanted. Well, like Jesus said, your will be done. And Esau, he lived for the things of this world. He didn't care for the blessings. He did cry, but he cried over what he lost, his power and his possessions. He wanted immediate gratification. He, I want it now, and I want it right now. Do you believe today that me and you struggle with materialism? I do believe that we're very materialistic in this nation today, that we want immediate gratification. We want immediate satisfaction. We want what we want right now. And that's where Esau struggled. But listen, because of that blessing that was passed down through Abraham all the way to us we see a dysfunctional family that was a mess and we look at ourselves, and we know that our life is a mess because that's what we are but the most important thing for me and you to understand in our mess in our dysfunction in our troubles is this for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God saves us in our mess, in our struggles. And my failure does not ever change the sovereignty of God. God's plan is going to work out no matter what. And what we can do today is to put our faith our trust in the Lord. And where are we in this situation today? 
and I know that we're raised in a world that this is my life, this is my decision, this is all about me, it's me. I get to do what I want to do, you do what you want to do, and everybody's happy. It's all about me, and all, everything surrounds us. But what happens in our life when we realize that we're not the center of this universe? What happens? What happens very simply is this, is that we stand in need of a Savior. And that Savior is the blessing of Abraham that was passed down through those generations. And it came all the way to me and you. Why? Abraham and Isaac, they are a mess. You go even before Abraham and Isaac to Adam, Cain, and Abel. They were a mess. It was a mess from the very beginning, and it goes all the way down to my family. My family's a mess. Oh, wow. If we're all a mess, what are we all going to do? You know what we all can do? To repent of our sins and believe the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May we put our faith and our trust this morning in Jesus Christ. Lord God, we love you. And Lord, I know that we try to live for ourselves the majority of time. And that we say we're not spiritual people and that we struggle with spirituality, with spiritual things. But Lord, I'd ask that you would forgive us of our sins. And Lord, we want to be spiritual people. We want to be people who follow you. We want to be people who are a family are able to help one another and care for one another and pray for one another we want to be a family that we can carry our brothers and not call them heavy we want to be who you called us to be and i know the only opportunity we have to do that is put our faith and our trust in you lord today may we each stop unbelieving and stop start believing there's someone here this morning who has never put their faith in you before Lord, I pray today is the day of salvation. That they will not let anything hold them back, but they'll come forward and say yes to you. And Lord, if there's somebody today who, is, who has believed but walked away, Lord, may today be the day where they say, Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, change our hearts, Lord, this morning. May we follow you every step of the way. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand.